Welcome to Binge Breakthrough, the podcast designed to help you finally break through the barriers that keep you stuck feeling out of control around food. I'm Master Certified Coach Jane Pilger, and I want you to know that no matter how long you've been struggling or what you've tried, food freedom is possible, and I'm here to show you how. After years of therapy, eating disorders treatment, restrictive diets, and reading all the books, I was still stuck in the on-again, off-again cycle of restricting and binging until I was able to see it all from a new perspective that changed everything. Each week, I will share the strategies, tools, and mindset that allowed me to overcome my decades-long battle with binge eating. Your journey to body trust starts now. Let's dive in. Hello, trusted listener. Welcome to Binge Breakthrough. I consider you a trusted listener because I trust that you are listening to this podcast for a reason. I trust that you are going to hear something today that provides some insight, some breakthroughs, something that you can take along on your own journey with food. So let's dive in. I was talking to somebody the other day who attended the virtual event, the Triggered to Trust virtual event. And during that event, I went through a visualization exercise where I had people imagine it was the holidays and to imagine the obstacles or the food challenges that they might face. Some examples I offered were going to a party where there's a lot of food around, or maybe going to a store and walking through the candy aisle at that store, seeing all of the the specialty candy items for that particular holiday. Or maybe it's a family meal or a family gathering where there just seems to be so much food and they have a hard time not eating so much or eating until they just feel sick. So she shared with me when she heard this, that it was so different for her because she would never eat foods that she deemed bad or forbidden in front of other people, whether that's at a party, out to eat at a restaurant, or even at a family gathering. She said she would only eat those items on her own and in secret. She had never eaten those types of foods in front of anyone. She also had set up her life so that she wouldn't have to be around those foods. She didn't bring anything into the house and didn't trust herself to be around any of it. And she wondered if this was different, if she was unusual because this was the case for her. And I explained to her that this is so normal and that she had just inspired the next podcast episode. I like to call this virtuous eating. And I'm going to guess you just might be a virtuous eater also. You might not be, but maybe you are. And as you listen to this episode, you will know for yourself if you are a virtuous eater. So let's go to Word Hippo. Uh, If you've been listening to me for a while, you know I love Word Hippo as a resource for looking up different words, looking up definitions, adjectives, really trying to hone in on a great Word. So when I went to Word Hippo, there are several definitions of the word virtuous, but the ones that I pulled out for this particular topic are having or showing high moral standards, abstaining from immoral or impure acts or thoughts, 
and successful in producing a desired or intended result. And I really like these definitions and I pulled them out because I feel like these definitions point out that it really comes down to a moral judgment. That somehow a person is being immoral, bad, or wrong when they eat certain foods. Now, of course, we think this way because of all of the conditioning and the messages that we have received over the years. Virtuous eating often comes from wanting to appear good or successful. I absolutely used to be a virtuous eater. I got a lot of internal and external validation for my food choices. People would often look at what I was eating or not eating, and they would tell me, you are so good. Now, on the one hand, I would feel very virtuous, very moral, having my high moral standards and being successful. But on the other hand, I also would feel like a fraud. I would often think to myself, you have no idea what I eat behind closed doors. Or you would be shocked to know what I eat and how much I eat. I personally got a lot of value out of being perceived as the quote-unquote good one or quote-unquote the disciplined one. But I also created a lot of shame when I would think that what they were seeing in me wasn't truly who I was or how I was showing up. Now, after a lot of work and reflection, I can so clearly see that perfectionism played a huge part in this. I wanted to appear to have it all together, and I didn't want anyone to see my flaws. Heck, I didn't think I should even have flaws. I was so very judgmental of myself and also of other people. And because I was so judgmental, I was convinced that others would judge me if I ate foods that I thought that I wasn't supposed to, or if I ate foods that were contrary to how they saw me. I mean, I was judging myself so harshly, it made sense that I would assume that everyone else would do the same. I can remember driving around town. I would go from convenience store to convenience store, or maybe I would then stop at the bakery. Then I would go to the grocery store, but I would only buy two, maybe three tops, things at a time, at any given place because I didn't want anyone to know how much I was actually eating. When I would pull up next to somebody at a stoplight, I would try to stop myself where my car would be just behind the driver, kind of in their blind spot, so that they couldn't see me eating. If I bought candy at a convenience store, I would ask for a bag so that nobody would see me walking out of the store with multiple king-size candy bars in my hand. 
Now, I often wanted to get donuts in the middle of the afternoon as I was driving around, going to buy all of this food, but the donut store was on a very busy street. And I was convinced that people would see me driving into the parking lot or coming out and they would know what I was doing. So I still really wanted donuts. So I would buy them at the grocery store so that I could hide them easier. Though they don't taste nearly as good as the donut shop on the main street. But in the middle of a binge, it really isn't about the taste anyway. It was about hiding, about eating in secret. I would be terrified to run into somebody I knew at the grocery store and for them to see me buying something less than virtuous. I can remember walking through the store, having that hand cart in my hand, putting the ice cream bars and the donuts or the cookies in my cart. And just walking around thinking, I hope I don't see anybody and I hope nobody looks and sees what I'm buying. Now, later in my binging journey, self-checkout became a thing. And I loved this because I could hide. Nobody would have to check me out and actually see what I was buying. But I do remember the very first time I bought donuts at the self-check. I scrolled through the items. I selected the picture of donuts. And the machine said very loudly, enter your quantity of donuts. And I was horrified. I was just sure that people were judging me for buying donuts at the store. Now, the truth is that I was judging myself. I thought that I was trying to hide from everyone else but I was really trying to hide from myself. I thought I was doing something wrong, something bad, something forbidden. So I was acting in that way. I was sure I was going to get caught and get in trouble. And that trouble would be judgment. But I was already on the receiving end of what I feared so much, judgment and shame. And judgment and shame are the very two things that keep us in the cycle of feeling control around food. So if any of this resonates with you and you see yourself as a virtuous eater, I have a few questions for you. What do you get out of being a virtuous eater? How does it serve you? Everything that we do repeatedly serves us in some way, even if we don't like the outcome. So for me, it was approval, admiration, and respect. I also sometimes had a sense of control when I would say no in certain situations when everyone else was saying yes. So in those ways, that's what I got out of it. That's how it served me. So it's a great question to ask for yourself. What do you get out of being a virtuous eater and how does it serve you? Now, here's another question for you. In what ways does being a virtuous eater hinder you? So for me, it was the sense of inauthenticity that I felt. The person that people saw was so different from the person that I saw. 
People saw me as someone who was disciplined and in control and doing the quote unquote right things with food. But I saw myself as someone who was out of control, broken, and acting against my will. They saw me as so strong. And I saw myself as weak and helpless. So these questions you can ask yourself, what do you get out of being a virtuous eater? And in what ways does being a virtuous eater hinder you? How does it serve you? How does it hinder you? Now, I don't ask these questions for you to feel bad about yourself. Chances are, especially if you are a virtuous eater and you eat very differently in front of others than you do on your own, chances are you probably already do feel bad about yourself. But I bring up this topic and I ask these questions for you to get curious and aware. Because remember, we can't change what we aren't aware of. I also want you to know that if this is you, you are not alone. There are so many virtuous eaters out there. So many out there. This is not a problem, but it's something to get curious about. If I am a virtuous eater, let me really look at it. Because it's important for us to look at this for this awareness, because then we can know in what ways our behaviors serve us and in what ways they hinder us. If we can look at this with curiosity, then we can decide if we want to change it. You may not want to change. You may want to decide to continue to be a virtuous eater. And that is a perfectly fine decision. Only you can know if you want to change it. But in the event that you see that being a virtuous eater may not be serving you, I want to invite you to consider this. Few questions for you, few more questions for you to consider. Is it possible that your expectations for yourself when it comes to food or your food choices are unrealistic? I know that was absolutely the case for me. My expectations for myself were unrealistic. They were not sustainable. Is it possible you are trying to hold yourself to standards that simply aren't sustainable or practical in the long term? We really want to approach a long-term view here, not a what can I do for one week, two weeks, three weeks. What is sustainable? What can I do? What patterns can I create? What new neural pathways can I create that I can sustain for the long term, for the rest of my life? So is it possible that what you are trying to do now, it's unrealistic? Maybe you're trying to hold yourself to standards that aren't sustainable and practical in the long term. If you are a person who can only do or have success in whatever way that you are trying to eat for a short period of time, it's very possible that your expectations are maybe unrealistic or your standards aren't sustainable or practical. Here's another question for you. What might it look like for you to create a relationship with food where what and how you eat 
in front of other people is the same as what and how you eat on your own. I'm going to ask that question again. What might it look like for you to create a relationship with food where what you eat in front of others is the same as what and how you eat on your own? Would you want that type of scenario? Do you want to become an eater who eats the same way no matter who is around? There is no right or wrong answer here. If your answer is no, I don't want to become an eater who eats the same way, that is perfectly fine. That is you just knowing and understanding what you want for yourself, not what somebody else wants for you, what somebody else thinks you should do. It's what you want for yourself. So if you want to become an eater who eats the same way, no matter who is around, what would have to change in order for this to happen? Now, I can't answer these questions for you, but what I can do is plant some seeds of awareness and curiosity. Now, if you think that the thing that would have to change in order for you to eat the same way in front of others and when you're by yourself, if you think that that thing would have to change, that would have to change is your body size, I want to offer you this. A change in thinking and relating to yourself is required for any long-term habit change. I can promise you that if you are eating in secret now, or eating differently with other people than on your own, that won't change simply because you lose weight. Now, I also acknowledge there is absolutely a fat bias, and people in larger bodies do get judged for their choices far more often than people in smaller bodies. But the size of your body doesn't have to do with the way you see yourself. I have known people, including myself, in very small bodies who thought terrible things of themselves and would not allow themselves to be seen eating certain foods in public. This was the case for me at a lot of different sizes and a lot of different weights. Whether I was underweight, when I was overweight, that did not matter. The size of my body, how many pounds I weighed, did not matter. I still would not allow myself to be seen eating certain foods in public. I have also known people in larger bodies who thought terrible things of themselves and would not allow themselves to be seen eating certain foods in public. The size of the body doesn't reflect the internal thoughts and beliefs of the person living in that body. Can you allow yourself to take up whatever space you take up in this current body? And can you allow yourself to show up for yourself and with food in the same way, no matter who is around? If the answer is no, it gives you something to get curious about, but not from a place of judgment. It just shows you there is something there to get curious about. Now, let's be clear. Many of us show up differently when we're on our own versus when we're around other people. 
But if there is a disconnect between who you truly see yourself to be and how you are showing up with food, it's something to get curious about. What would need to change for you to be able to eat the same way, no matter who was around? Now, we can't change society. We can't change fat phobia. We can't change diet culture. But we can change the way we treat ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, and the way that we take care of our bodies and our needs, physically and emotionally. Some of these patterns have been ingrained for years and even decades. They won't change overnight, but they absolutely can change. Are you a virtuous eater? Do you want to be? Why or why not? As I say, know your reasons and like your reasons. Now, if you are a virtuous eater, and you don't want to be, you would rather not be a virtuous eater, but you don't really understand why. You don't really understand what you need to do to change. I invite you to go back to the first few episodes of this podcast where I do a deep dive into the eight reasons why I see people have struggles around food, why we feel out of control around food. There are eight primary reasons. So if you are, if you see this and you think, yes, I do want to change, I'm not really sure what to do, it is likely that one or more of those eight reasons are in play for you. So go back to the first few episodes of this podcast. Take a deep dive into those eight reasons. And if you want help diving deeper into those reasons or really looking at your patterns, rewiring, creating new neural pathways and new relationships for yourself and with food, I would love to help you out. You can find out my offerings at janepilger.com. That's what I have for you today. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Binge Breakthrough. If you would like a personal guide to walk you through the eight solutions to end binge eating so that you can customize them for yourself and your unique situation, you have to join me for the Binge Breakthrough Blueprint. After just eight weeks together, you will have a completely new relationship with yourself and with food. Find out more at bingebreakthrough.com forward slash blueprint.